Good morning, everyone. My name is Dave, one of the ministers here, and hello to everyone joining us on the live stream as well. Good to have you with us. Um, uh, we've had a great start to the morning. Uh, I feel like I don't need to do an introduction. It's been such a great introduction. Uh, as Ted said, uh, 20, 2019, we did a, uh, a beliefs and values series, a 10-week series. You remember that back in the day? Uh, it, was, it was really excellent. Um, and that was because we'd worked on this uh, statement of belief, uh, things we believe as a church, 10 things uh, that really uh, are the core uh, doctrines, teachings. Um, that we find in scripture that are, are what we teach here at church. We didn't make them up, of course. Uh, Christians have believed them for centuries uh, from reading God's word. Uh, but one of the main reasons we did this uh, was because of what we just read in 1 Timothy. Uh, did you hear some of those things that Paul was saying to Timothy? Uh, there's, a, there's a danger, isn't there? That in later times, some will abandon the faith. Right? So that's a challenge for the church in every generation. Right, rather than people being nourished on the truth uh, with good teaching, sound doctrine, uh, people will follow uh, what their itching ears want to hear. Uh, they will follow false teachings uh, and, and false teachers. And so like Timothy, we want to be those who, who really watch our life and doctrine closely, pay careful attention to those things, who want to persevere in that good teaching. We want to make progress uh, in obedience to God. Now, we want to set an example for one another uh, in our speech and in our conduct. And, and so we thought having a clear public statement of what we believe uh, is just one good way to help that happen and to make that happen. And so, yeah, we did a 10-week series, did one per week. Uh, but, of course, you know, big beliefs, one week. We can only ever scratch the surface. So we're coming back to them in, what, in these uh, mini-series, these We Believe mini-series, We've done the Holy Spirit, we've done Jesus, we've done the Bible, we've done church, and now we're doing God. God. Uh, everyone has an opinion when it comes to God, don't they? Uh, the atheist has an opinion. Uh, they just think there is no God. Uh, the agnostic has an opinion. Uh, they think maybe there's a God, maybe not. It's, it's really just impossible to know. Uh, the theist has an opinion. They think, yes, there is a God. Uh, but we can't really know uh, who he is or what he's like. The, the pluralist has an opinion about God. Uh, they just say that there are many gods, many gods. Uh, the Christians also have an opinion about God. Uh, we say there is one God and that we can know him personally. Right now, just you might have heard that before. It doesn't really shock you, but just I want it to shock you. That is an audacious claim. Right, that, that we believe that there is a God, not only that, but there is only one God, and that we know him, and we can know him personally. That's an audacious claim to make. Because right, as Ted was saying, when, when we talk about knowing God, we're talking about more than just knowing things about God. We're actually talking about knowing him in relationship, like we would know another person. Right, because that, that is really the point of theology. It's the point of, of doctrine and of teaching from the Bible. It's not just a download of information to know things. Right? It's actually about understanding God through his word so we can know him personally and we can know salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That, that is what theology is for, to know God, to know salvation and to experience those things really uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. 
And so the question then for this first talk is how do we know all this? How do we come to know God? Why are we so confident that we can know these things? How can we even begin to do a series on God? What is our starting point? Well, I had the enviable task of writing a four-week series on God. Um, God, the immortal, invisible, immutable, immense, infinite, most wise, most holy, most free, eternal, almighty, everlasting God. Where would you start if you had to write a series on God? Um, That actually gave me the starting point, thinking about that. Um, Thinking about just just how great God is. Uh, And so as we come to the study of God, first thing I want us to understand is that God is incomprehensible. Okay, let's spend some time here. First, uh, God is incomprehensible. In other words, God cannot be fully understood by us. Right, Psalm 145, one of the great psalms, probably the greatest psalm of praise written by David. Uh, it's really, it's an A to Z of God's greatness because it's an alphabetical psalm. Each letter starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Psalm 145 uh, is about God's greatness and David notices very early on in that psalm that God is incomprehensible. So Psalm 145 verse 3, David says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Right, God is so great we, we cannot search and discover all his greatness. Uh, and if you think about it, it's because God is this infinite creator of all things and we are finite creatures. It's impossible for us to know everything there is to know about God. His his greatness no one can fathom. Right, when Job, if you've read through Job, uh, that's a great uh, book on the knowledge of God. But Job says, when he thinks about everything that he knows about God, uh, this is how he puts it. He says uh, in Job 26, Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? You see, like all, all we know about God, which is considerable, is just the outskirts of his ways. Right? If God were the ocean, like where does, where does sort of dabbling along the shoreline in the knowledge of God? I think that's why Paul in Romans, as he's kind of plumbing the depths of the knowledge of God that has come through the gospel, uh, when he sort of gets to the end of that, he realises how much more there is to know about God. Right, so in Romans 11, he just breaks into praise and he says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. So as we're coming to the study of God together these next four weeks, this is the first thing. We must know God is incomprehensible. It's so good to start here because hopefully it means we'll come with the right attitude to study God. So we won't just come kind of flippantly or just proudly or irreverently you know, like if we're going to study a lion, just walk in and pull the whiskers out, see what they're like. Like we wouldn't, we, we want to come with reverence and awe and with humility, right? Because God is, in his greatness, incomprehensible, right? His wisdom is unsearchable. Now, it's, it's not unsearchable in the sense that we, we can't know anything about God, okay? Because that would be pointless. Um, but even though we cannot know everything there is to know about God, we can truly know God. 
We can truly know God. And the reason that we can do that uh, is because God is knowable. Uh, And so here's the second thing uh, for us to be thinking about as we come to to study God. Uh, Now here, I just want you to imagine for a moment uh, that you're meeting someone who who is really high above you, uh, maybe in in just rank or popularity, uh, someone you just really admire, maybe like a movie star or a rock star or the queen, well, not the queen anymore, but back in the day, the the king, um, or if you like scientists, just, just someone high above you. Right, and, and you might like to sort of to get to know them. And you would love if they got to know you, if you could be like besties with this person. You would really like that. But you're very aware that uh, if, if there's going to be a relationship between you, that they are the one who is going to have to initiate the relationship. I'm sure all those people who shook the Queen's hand when she walked along the line would have loved to, to know her, but it was going to be up to the Queen to get to know them. And it's like that with God, right? God is the highest and greatest someone that we could ever meet. And so if we're any chance of knowing him, it is God who must make himself known to us. And the wonderful thing is that God is knowable because God wants us to know him. And he has made himself known so that we can know him. And so what we're going to look at today, just for the final kind of bit, is that Uh, How has God made himself known? Well, in two main ways. God makes himself known in general revelation and special revelation. I guess one concept, revelation, but in these these two ways he reveals himself. The first one is is general revelation, and this is uh, how God reveals himself in creation. It's it's general because of its address. It's addressed to all people everywhere. Uh, It's also general in its content. And it's not specific about, you know, who made all these things and why did he make them. So it's kind of, it's general in those ways. And so David, he says this about God's revelation in creation, Psalm 19. He says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. Right? Creation is speaking to us every day about the glory of God. Right? Every, every sunrise is a sermon about the greatness of God. Right? Every star is a speech uh, about who God is. And so I guess the question that kind of comes on the back of that is, well, if God has revealed himself to everyone in this way, why does everyone not know God? Well, the answer is because even though God is speaking to us in creation, we are suppressing the truth about God that we see in creation. You know, I think Paul had Psalm 19 in mind when he wrote Romans chapter 1, because that's what he says about how we interact with this general revelation of God. Have a read of this from Romans chapter 1. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Right, so so God has revealed his eternal power and divine nature in creation But when we see that, we we don't believe in God, we suppress that truth, Paul says. 
Right? Since the fall, uh, in our sin, in our unrighteousness, we have no ability to know God through this general revelation. Uh, John Calvin had a great term for, for general revelation. He called, he called creation the theatre of God's glory. Except he said in our sin, it's like we have blindfolds on and we cannot see that glory. Uh, still, th there's some who have thought that, you know what, we can know God through general revelation uh, and, and this is what is called natural theology. So natural theology. Now, this is when uh, people think uh, we can just use our natural powers of reason and experience to know God through what he's revealed in creation. And now, there's lots of really good arguments for this, um, but these are just a couple of examples of those arguments. You might have heard them before. Uh, there is the uh, teleological argument. Don't worry about the word so much. Uh, you probably know what it means. It's when we look at creation, we see it has a design. Right? It seems to have a purpose to it. You know, like you've heard the argument that if you, if you saw a watch lying on the ground, you wouldn't think it just kind of came to be by itself. You'd think, oh, there's probably a watchmaker who made this. And so when we look at creation, its complexity and its beauty, we think someone must have done this. And so we call it God. So that's, that's a good argument. Uh, then there's the moral argument, right, where we sort of look at people and we sort of think, well, people seem to have a sense of right and wrong, of what is good and what is bad. And you know, no one's really taught them this. They just kind of have it, an inbuilt sense. And so we say, well, there must be a standard of right and wrong, of good and bad, that we're getting this from. And so we call it God. And then there's a, an argument from experience, where people have an event in their life that is just unexplainable by natural causes. They see maybe a vision or they hear a voice uh, or they have some kind of feeling or just a, a huge event in their life and they kind of think, well, that cannot be explained any other way unless there is a God. And so they call it God. And so natural theology is it's helpful. Like It can help us to get us thinking about God and maybe overcome some of those obstacles that might be in place for us to coming to know him. But we've got to realise we cannot, through just general revelation and natural theology, come to know God. Uh, it's a dead end for us to know God. If we are going to know him, uh, we need special revelation. And so point two there, special revelation. Uh, special, God's special revelation is it's his personal activity and his speaking in our world, in history, uh, to reveal himself to us. Right? And when God does this, that is what makes sense of the general revelation that we have. Right? God revealing himself is like taking the blindfold off right? so we can know him and that he has made all these, all these things that we see. Right? So special revelation, God's uh, acting and speaking in history, in our world, to make himself Known. So one great example of this is the burning bush in Exodus. Do we know about the burning bush, young folks? We should have read that by now. Yes, that's good. Uh, the burning bush uh, in Exodus, Moses minding his own business, watching his sheep, and then this bush on fire, but it's not burned up. And, and it's God. It is God revealing himself to Moses. And speaking from the bush, he gives Moses his name. Right, giving the name is, is revealing who you are. And God says to him, I am. 
I am. And God continued to reveal himself this way to his people. Uh, he, he did it through, through speaking, through his prophets to his people and giving them the law in all kinds of ways and showing himself. And he caused all these things to be written down uh, in the scriptures, in the Old Testament scriptures. And, and if you've been reading those Old Testament scriptures, you know they promised a saviour to come, a, a great king we've been hearing about the last few weeks, Jesus. And so it's no surprise when Jesus comes that John wants to call him in his gospel the word of God. That is because in Jesus, God reveals himself right, fully and finally. Uh, Jesus reveals God to us. You know what Jesus, Jesus did? He, he made the invisible God visible uh, through his person and his, his work. And this is one of my favourite verses from John, the very start. Uh, John tells us this. He says, no one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Now, Jesus has made God known to us. And God caused his word about Jesus to be written down uh, through his apostles uh, in the New Testament scriptures, which we have as well. And so the Bible, Old and New Testaments, is the full and final revelation of God to us. Uh, it is his special revelation. Doesn't doesn't tell us everything that we would want to know about God, uh, but that's not the point of the Bible. That's not the point of God's revelation. Uh, what it tells us is everything that we we need. All right, it gives us everything we need to know God, and everything we need to know salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, so it is it is sufficient for us and special revelation. This is our starting point and it's our way forward uh, as we study God together. Right? Because all our knowledge depends upon revelation. Right? God is incomprehensible and he would remain that way if he had not made himself knowable to us. And wonderfully, uh, God has done that. And so we can do a series like this. We can study God and we can truly know him. It's okay. Black Betty, you can turn it off. Otherwise, I'll start singing. <laughs> That's all right. There was a segue point anyway, so that was good. Give us a little, give us a little chuckle. Now we have this knowledge of God. What do we do with it? Okay, because we said uh, theology is not just for the head. Uh, it's not just for information, but for transformation. So it's not just for the head, but it's also for the heart. Okay, so, so how, how does this, this revelation of God affect how we feel and how we think about God? Um, so I've got two responses for us on this front. The first one is that we should rejoice, right? We should absolutely rejoice because what is life about? Life is about knowing God, right? Nothing better, no higher goal in life than to know the God who made us. Um, Jesus said this in John 17, 3, great verse to memorise. He said, this is eternal life. This is life to the full. This is eternal life, that they know you, the one, uh, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That, that is life, to know God and to know Jesus Christ. Right? And where would we be if God had not revealed himself to us? We would be completely in the dark 
when it comes to knowing God. We would not know one thing about God if he had not revealed himself to us. Uh, We do not ascend into heaven to find God. Uh, God descends to us to reveal himself. Uh, and, And this now is the main point I want to get across Across this whole series, if you learn nothing else from this series, uh, learn this. God is a God of grace. God is a God of grace. He graciously revealed himself to us. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. We deserve to be left in the dark, uh, but God has turned the lights on for us. And, and, And God does this continually for us. He's a God of grace freely and continually uh, giving us things that we do not deserve. God is a God of grace. And so if you know God through Jesus, rejoice in that. Just give thanks. Just be thankful that you have come to that great knowledge. And secondly, uh, another response of of heart and mind for us is that we should humble ourselves. Uh, This should really create humility in us you know what? There's many things I'm sure we'd, we'd like to know about God. I'm sure you've got heaps of things. I'm sure, has, has anyone ever asked God the, the why question? Why God? Anyone ever done that before? I'm sure if you have been Christian for any amount of time. You know, why God? Sometimes really hard things like why God did, did this person get sick and this person die? Why did that happen? Uh, why is there so much injustice in the world? Why is there so much suffering in the world? You know, why, God, if you want everyone to know you, why don't you save everyone? Reveal yourself to everyone and save everyone. Why don't you do that for my, for my family? Right? It's, we've all got these questions we ask of God that we just don't know the answer to. Right? And it's very easy for us to get, to get frustrated, uh, to, get, to despair. Um, all kinds of emotions can come up because we just want God to make himself clearer. But I think what we should be doing is, is humbling ourselves before God. Uh, remember what Moses said, another great verse. Uh, Moses said this, and it's so true, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children, that we may do all the words of this law. Uh, so this is a good thing to remember about Revelation, is that God has not told us everything there is to know. Uh, God has not even told us everything we might want to know. But he has told us everything that we need to know. So let us humble ourselves before God and what he has revealed. Uh, It is everything that we need. It's everything we need to know him. It's everything we need to to trust him with everything that we don't know. Now theology, not just for the head, not just for the heart, uh, but also for the hands. Also to to lead us uh, in a life uh, that is pleasing to God Uh, and and loves others. And so how should we respond to this revelation of God in the way we live? I've just got three quick points for things we can do uh, as we respond to the revelation of God. The first one is that we should pray to know God. Right? We should be those people who, who, who hunger and thirst for a knowledge of God. And we see the only way to get that is if God gives it to us. And so we should ask him, we should pray, God, I want to know you. Now give me a knowledge of yourself through your word, by your spirit. Right, to pray that prayer to God. Remember what James told the church? Uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously. If any of you lacks 
a knowledge of God, ask God. He will give generously. He's not, God is not hiding away from us. Like he wants to be known. Anyone who asks God to make himself known to them, he, he will do that because he loves to do that. So pray to God, uh, ask for a knowledge of him. Secondly, uh, meditate on God's word. Right? Go to the place where God has revealed himself if you want to know him. Uh, David in Psalm 145, uh, after he said, you know, God is, is great and unfathomable and just beyond our knowledge, he then says, I'm going to meditate on his works. I'm going to meditate on his wonderful works. So it doesn't mean we, we don't try and know God. It means we actually we, we want to know God and we, and we meditate on his works. And to meditate means to really just to slow down uh, and to think over the things that we read in the Bible, right? to consider them, right? to, to apply them to our lives. Right? Do you do that? Uh, do you spend time meditating upon the word of God? Right? This, is, this is how David thought about the word of God. Have a look at this, Psalm 139. He said, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I wonder, is that how you think about the thoughts of God that are in his word? Are they precious to you? Do do you love to open the word and and see God's thoughts and and to think his thoughts after him, to have the mind of Christ? It is such a good thing. Are, Are God's thoughts precious to you? Do you meditate upon his word? Now, thirdly, um, Read good books. Read good books. So uh, there are so many excellent books that help us understand, you know, the book and, and to know God better. Uh, we have some excellent ones on the Grow What You Know table. There are some suggestions over there. Uh, if you've got a new beliefs and value booklet, which we'll talk about a bit later, heaps of suggestions in there uh, for good books to be reading. Uh, why not pick one of those up and read through it? Uh, and of course, if you're not a reader, um, there's also audiobooks, there is podcasts, there's YouTubes, there's videos, there's articles, there's, there is no reason uh, to not be growing our knowledge of God in some way uh, with these great resources that are just all around us all the time. I, I think everybody should just have something on the go, a, a book or a podcast they're listening to or just, just some kind of habit that just helps you to know God better in your life. Uh, reading his word, of course, and, and in prayer, but also just something extra that is, that is growing your knowledge. Uh, so many good resources out there. Make use of them. And so this is week one of, of God. God is knowable. Right? He, he wants us to know him. He has made himself known. Uh, he's done it in the world through his word and in the word that was made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, may that humble us. May that fill us with joy and peace in believing, and may that lead us to want to grow ever deeper in our knowledge of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray now and let's ask God to do that for us. Heavenly Father, uh, you are great uh, and your greatness uh, is unsearchable. Uh, Lord, we know that in our sin that we would be uh, completely in the dark had you not revealed yourself to us in the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of your spirit. And so we are thankful for that. Uh, Lord, help us to rejoice in that. uh, And and Lord, help us to humble ourselves, uh, to know that is enough for us, that we know you and that we know salvation. Uh, That is enough. Uh, Lord, may it comfort us uh, with all the hard things uh, that we don't have answers to. 
And Lord, I pray that uh, by your spirit, you would lead us uh, to grow in our knowledge of you. Uh, Lord, help us to pray, help us to meditate upon your word. And Lord, we are thankful for so many other ways uh, that you help us to know you through good books and resources. And Lord, may we take those up uh, as we seek to know you better, to love you more, and to live a life that glorifies you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.